and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I am your host, Kim Smith, and we're on episode 116, Leading with the Heart of a Servant. How much do you like to humble yourself and serve others? Hmm. That's a question. That's a loaded question, isn't it? I think that for the majority of us, who follow Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we would like to think that we have a servant's heart. We would like to think that we are humble. And yet the truth is, so many times, those who profess to follow Christ are some of the most pride-filled people that you will ever come across. Sitting back and looking at that in the lives of others, probably each of us would be absolutely appalled and look and just say, that does not match up with the Christian life. And yet, you, just as I do, probably struggle with a sense of haughtiness. That's hard. I know it's hard to hear. But I know whereof I speak. Just this week, maybe even just today for that matter, I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about the ways that it raises its ugly head. Sometimes at work, I will, I will catch it in my spirit where something is left undone that is not a part of my job assignment by any stretch of the imagination. And that temptation comes up in my spirit to think about where I am in my career, the years I spend in my education, and, and think somehow or another I should be above whatever task it is. That is so hard to admit out through the podcast world. But I want to be honest. And I want to challenge you to be honest as well. Those two verses that I pray over us as I pray over my patients each and every week. Psalm 139, 23, and 24, I'm praying for you right now that God would search you and know your heart, that he would test you and know your anxious thoughts. He would point out any way in you that offends him, and you would, he would lead you in the way everlasting, including any ways where you and I do not have an humble servant's heart. We're going to talk today about young David. We spent the last couple of weeks looking at the prophet Samuel and his commission to anoint 
the true king, true earthly king of Israel. He was scared that Saul was going to kill him. When Saul would find out what Samuel was up to, so King Saul was the first king of Israel. And not, not God's king, but the king that the people had clamored for. But Saul struggled with pride. Saul struggled with a lot of things, and we're going to see we're going to see that even in today's story. But we see Samuel, and Samuel is trying to do as God has called him to do, and tells him to go to Bethlehem and go to the home of Jesse, and it's going to be to invite Jesse and his sons to this event, and that God has chosen one of Jesse's sons to be the next king. He wants Samuel to anoint him. And so we talked last week, one of my absolute favorite passages in Scripture, we talked last week about Samuel and, and seeing the first seven of Jesse's sons and looking at them. And the very first one, he's like, he's got to be the one because of his looks. We talked about the tendency we have to make decisions based upon looks. And God reminded Samuel that we, as humans, we look at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so then six more of the sons walk in front, and God does not say he's mine to any of them. And thankfully, Samuel didn't look at those seven and say, even though God didn't say it's one of them, since it's got to be one of Jesse's sons, I'm just going to choose. He didn't. He asked, are there any others? And Jesse said, well, my youngest is out in the fields with the sheep and the goats. And Samuel's like, send for him. And as soon as he saw David, he knew that that was God's anointed one. And so the last um, verse that we read last week, this is 1 Samuel 16. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So I want you to try to imagine being young David. So David is a young man at this point, young teenager more than likely, who is, I mean, he's just experienced this godly prophet that most of Israel knows has been the leader of Israel, the earthly leader of Israel for so many years. And Samuel anoints him to be king, king. What do you think would be going through your mind if you were David? Would that spirit of pride well up in you? Look at me. God has chosen me. I'm going to rule over my brothers. I mean, I'm just, you know, imagining because we don't know for sure. But instead, in our lesson this week, we're going to do 1 Samuel 14 through 23. We're going to see part of the reason that later in Scripture, David is called a man after God's own heart. So let's jump into our text. Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and we knew that we had already heard that in previous texts, but 
we're getting a reminder, says, And the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. When we choose not to follow what God has laid for us, we are opening ourselves up to any manner of, I would say interventions, any manner of spiritual oppression, any manner of maladies. I mean, we're because we have walked ourselves out of the protection of God. And God specifically, it doesn't just say that he allowed, it says he sent a tormenting spirit. And let's look in the ESV. It says, a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. So obviously the exact same thing as the NLT. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. It reminds me earlier this week, number one, I've known that this passage was coming up. So it's really been on my heart. But I've used music a lot working in an inpatient hospice unit. I've used music a lot to, um, to try to help soothe uh, those that are going through sometimes the roughest time of their lives. That's what the officials thought were going, well, not officials, but the servants of Saul thought were going, thought that might be helpful to him. That, that might they couldn't take away the tormenting spirit, but maybe if he could just hear some good, beautiful, peaceful music, it would help. So Saul in 17, all right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son, David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread and a wine skin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much and David became his armor bearer. That Saul sent word to Jesse asking, please let David remain in my service for I'm very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. Are we always going to feel better when we hear beautiful music? No. But God used David and his giftedness to grant Saul some peace. But I truly believe that this passage is not so much about granting Saul any peace. But it is about the character of David and what God was growing in him. Our focal verse for this week is verse 21. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. What would it have been like to be David? Remember, Saul is 
clueless at this point. He knows that God has chosen another king, but he has no idea who the person is. So he, he has no idea that it's David that Samuel has anointed. And he's just going along and enjoying the music and enjoying being served and played for by this young man. But David, David could have so easily have just stood up and said, I am God's anointed. Step down from the throne and let me, you know, like there's so many ways that this could have happened. But instead, we see the servant heart of David. One of these days, David is going to be the supreme human leader of Israel. But for now, he's learning to lead by example. He's learning to lead by being a servant. Where else in the Bible do we see servant leadership? Well, I think you already, if you know anything about the Bible pretty much, you know where I'm going with this. It would be in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you've been listening to this podcast very long, you know that I've been reading through the book of Mark for my devotional each morning. And this is the second time I'm reading it through. I'm right about in the middle of it, right where the book shifts. And I'm going to read you some verses that are such a good complement to what we see in the servant attitude of David. Jesus and his disciples. Well, that, <laughs> that's just a loaded statement, isn't it? His disciples were, were pickles. They, they just, they didn't get it. They just did not understand. They had this preconceived idea of what kind of king Jesus was going to be. And they were always jockeying for position, or especially the, the main ones, the Peter, James, and Johns. And that's what this one is about. So this is Mark 10. And within this is one of the, if not the focal verse of the book of Mark. So let's start. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Check them out. Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. When I say clueless, I mean clueless. They have no idea. Number one, they have no idea the privilege that they're asking and they surely do not have any idea of the suffering that they're just signing up for. Then Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. 
When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man, that being Jesus, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as ransom for many. Does that not cause you to pause? So often, we think of greatness and leadership as those who hold the power. And Jesus just flipped the entire script. You know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. We see that every day. And some of us may even fall into that, where we feel as though we have succeeded when we have the power and we can cause others to do our bidding. He said, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. God just flashed me back to the situation that has stuck with me all these years. So I was at a particular church and there was, there had been, I'm trying to be very careful with my wording, there had been damage to this particular church building. And I was one of those that volunteered to go help with the demo day in order for the crews to be able to come in and reconstruct the facility. At this particular church, there were multiple ministers on staff. And after that day, I never looked at any of those ministers the same as I did before. And I'll tell you why. There were four of them. And two of them, I watched attempt to lead by that first manner of leadership. You know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. And two of them led by the second standard of whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave must be the slave of everyone else. 
two were willing to work alongside. And it was obvious that two of them, a servant's heart was not theirs. And after that day, I had much greater respect for the two that I already cared about who worked alongside and had servants' hearts. And I had so little respect for those who attempted to lead by a position of power, not a position as a servant. You know the difference. It's not about what we do. It's more about how we do it. You can do most anything with a servant's heart. And you can lead with a servant's heart. And an entire class in seminary on servant leadership. And it was so eye-opening to me. Because the model that we see in the secular world is lead by power. Banging the fist. Pushing your weight around. And sadly, even in churches, we see that same power model. But it is not of God. Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, if there was ever any one, who walked around in human flesh, who had reason to be proud and reason to boss anybody around, it would have been the Son of God. And yet, what did we see him do? We saw him serve those around him. He washed the disciples' feet. That attitude, that attitude that we see in David as he plays the harp, the beautiful music. He uses his giftedness to help King Saul deal with his tormenting spirit. God just flashed me back to Philippians 2. And I think this is where we're going to, to end today's study. He says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross.
Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What is your true attitude? What thoughts come across your mind when you are asked or told to do something that you feel is below you? Or maybe it's from somebody, maybe it's more about the person who's doing the asking. It might not be the task. It might be their direction. If someone really were to not only be able to follow you around and see your actions on a daily basis, but to see those word bubbles for the attitudes that you have, would they be overwhelmed by your servant's heart? Or would they be underwhelmed by the pride of your heart? Our weekly assignment is to pray for God to show you opportunities for service and then humbly serve others. God just reminded me of something, and let me see if I can find it real quick. It just amazes me how he puts... um, Put some things together sometimes uh, that I never, ever, ever planned on sharing. Let me see. I can see, I can find the video. I'm just trying to find the. Let's see if we can. So this is a story that you can find on YouTube told by the author, the person who had this event happen. And God just flashed this across my mind, and and I definitely want to share it. This is by Beth Moore. Um, She's a Bible study teacher, been teaching God's Word. For a long time now. I don't know exactly how long, but I know it has been a length of time. But this particular story, I've heard her tell it many times, and it still grips me every time. So I'm going to read this, and I'm going to put this link in the show notes. But I I strongly suggest going and watching um, one of the videos out there on YouTube and hearing her, her tell it herself. But this is called The Hairbrush Story says, Knoxville Airport, all waiting to board planes. Well, Knoxville Airport is very personal to me. That is a, an airport that I know very well. And so this is written by Beth Moore, telling of her, her very important servant event. I had a Bible on my lap and was very intent upon what I was doing. I had had a marvelous morning with the Lord. I say that because I want 
to tell you it is a scary thing to have the Spirit of God really working in you. You could end up doing some things you never would have done otherwise. Life in the Spirit can be dangerous for a thousand reasons, not the least of which is your ego. I tried to keep from staring, but he was such a strange sight. Humped over in a wheelchair, he was skin and bones, dressed in clothes that obviously fit when he was at least 20 pounds heavier. His knees protruded from his trousers and his shoulders looked like a coat hanger was still in his shirt. His hands looked like tangled messes of veins and bones. The strangest part of him was his hair and nails. Stringy gray hair hung well over his shoulders and down part of his back. His fingernails were long, clean, but strangely out of place on an old man. I looked down in my Bible as fast as I could, discomfort burning my face, and as I tried to imagine what his story might have been, I found myself wondering if I just had a Howard Hughes sighting. Then I remembered reading somewhere that he was dead. So this man in the airport, an impersonator maybe, was a camera on us somewhere. There I sat, trying to concentrate on the word to keep from being concerned about a, this, a thin slice of humanity served on a wheelchair only a few seats from me. All the while, my heart was growing more and more overwhelmed with a feeling for him. Let's admit it. Curiosity is a heap more comfortable than true concern, and suddenly I was awash with aching emotion for this bizarre-looking old man. I had walked with God long enough to see the handwriting on the wall. I've learned that when I begin to feel what God feels, something so con con contrary to my natural feelings, something dramatic is bound to happen. It may be embarrassing. I immediately began to resist because I could feel God working in my spirit, and I started arguing with God in my mind. Oh, no, God, please, no. I looked up at the ceiling as if I could stare straight through it into heaven and said, Don't make me witness to this man. Not right here and now. Please, I'll do anything. Put me on the same plane, but don't make me get up here and witness to this man in front of all the gawking audience. Please, Lord. There I sat in a blue vinyl chair begging His Highness. Please don't make me witness to this man. Not now. I'll do it on the plane. Then I heard it. I don't want you to witness to him. I want you to brush his hair. The words were so clear, my heart leapt into my throat and my thoughts spun like a top. Do I witness to the man or brush his hair? No brainer. I looked straight back up at the ceiling and said, God, as I live and breathe, I want you to know I'm ready to witness to this man. I'm on this, Lord. I'm your girl. You'll never seen a woman witness to a man faster in your life. What difference does it make if his hair is a mess, if he's not redeemed? I am on him. I'm going to witness to this man. Again, as clearly as I've ever heard an audible word, God seemed to write this statement across the wall of my mind. That's not what I said, Beth. I don't want you to witness to him. I want you to go brush his hair. I looked up at God and quipped, I don't have a hairbrush. It's in my suitcase on the plane. How am I supposed to brush his hair without a hairbrush? God was so insistent that I almost involuntarily began to walk toward him as these thoughts came to me from God's word. I will thoroughly finish you unto all good works. 2 Timothy 3.7 I stumbled over the wheelchair thinking I could use one myself. Even as I retell this story, my pulse quickens and I feel, some, feel those same butterflies. I knelt down in front of the man and asked in it as demurely as possible, Sir, May I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? He looked back at me and said, What did you say? May I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? 
to which he responded in volume 10, Little lady, if you expect me to hear you, you're going to have to talk louder than that. At this point, I took a deep breath and blurted out, Sir, may I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? At which point, every eye in the place darted right at me. I was the only one in the room looking more peculiar than old Mr. Longlocks. Face crimson and forehead breaking out in a sweat, I watched him look up at me with absolute shock on his face and say, If you really want to. Are you kidding? Of course I didn't want to, but God didn't seem interested in my personal preference right about then. He pressed on my heart until I could utter the words, Yes, sir, I would be pleased, but I have one little problem. I don't have a hairbrush. I have one in my bag, he responded. I went around to the back of that wheelchair and I got on my hands and knees and unzipped the stranger's old carry-on, hardly believing what I was doing. I stood up and started brushing the old man's hair. It was perfectly clean, but it was tangled and matted. I don't do many things well, but I must admit I've had notable experience untangling knotted hair mothering two little girls. Like I'd done with either Amanda or Melissa in such a condition, I began brushing at the very bottom of the strands, remembering to take time not to pull. A miraculous thing happened to me as I started brushing that old man's hair. Everybody else in the room disappeared. There was no one alive for those moments except the old man and me. I brushed and I brushed and I brushed until every tangle was out of that hair. I know this sounds so strange, but I've never felt that kind of love for another soul in my entire life. I believe with all my heart, I, for that few minutes, felt a portion of the very love of God, that he had overtaken my heart for a little while, like someone renting a room and making himself at home for a short while. The emotions were so strong and so pure that I knew they had to be God's. His hair was finally as soft and smooth as an infant's. I slipped the brush back in the bag, went around to to around the chair to face him. I got down on my knees and put my hands on his knees and said, Sir, do you know my Jesus? He said, Yes, I do. Well, that figures. <laughs> he explained, I've known him since I married my bride. She wouldn't marry me until I got to know the Savior. He said, You see, the problem is I haven't seen my bride in months. I've had open heart surgery and she's been too ill to come see me. I was sitting here thinking to myself, what a mess I must be for my bride. Only God knows how often he allows us to be part of a divine moment when we're completely unaware of the significance. This, on the other hand, was one of those rare encounters when I knew God had intervened in details only he could have known. It was a God moment and I'll never forget it. Our time to, came to board, and we were not on the same plane. I was deeply ashamed of how I'd acted earlier and would have been so proud to have accompanied him on that aircraft. I still had a few moments, and as I gathered my things to board, the airline hostess returned from the corridor, tears streaming down her cheeks. She said, that old man sitting on the plane sobbing, why did you do that? What made you do that? I said, do you know Jesus? He can be the bossiest thing, and we got to share. I learned something about God that day. He knows if we're exhausted because we're hungry, you're serving in the wrong place or it is time to move on, but you feel too responsible to budge. He knows if you're hurting or feeling rejected. He knows if you're sick or drowning under a wave of temptation, or he knows if you just need your hair brushed. He sees you as an individual. Tell him your need. I got on my own flight. Sobs choking my throat, wondering how many opportunities just like that one had I missed along the way. 
all because I didn't want people to think I was strange. God didn't send me to that old man. He sent that old man to me. And she uses John 1, 14. The word became flesh and made dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And this must have been in one of her books, Further Still by Beth Moore. But I've just, I've seen the YouTube video many times and it just touches my heart every time. Who is it that God wants you to brush their hair? Or to listen to their pain? Or to tell them you're sorry. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God took over this lesson. And he is calling. He's probably calling each of us. But I have a feeling he's calling one specific person. to humble himself or herself and to serve others as Christ served. Will you join me and pray for God to show you opportunities for service? And then step forth and humbly serve those God brings into your path. Dear Father, I thank you so very much for what you just did. I thank you for the story that Beth Moore has shared. I thank you, dear God, for the lessons you taught her on that day and her willingness to share with others. So many of us, even if we had had that experience, would have been have been too prideful to share it. I thank you that she was not. I thank you that she was willing to share it with others and therefore change the lives of so many. I pray for each person within the sound of my voice. Please change our hearts, dear God. Please give us a heart like Christ. May we lead from a position of an humble servant. Each day taking up our cross and following you. Whether it be following you. Into. Places we don't want to go. Talking to people we do not want to meet. Or doing tasks that. We are so tempted to believe are below us. Dear God, please teach us to lead with a heart of a servant. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Please check out the links in the show notes. Uh, please take some time to uh, join our Facebook group, Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. The information is in the show notes. Remember, it is free to share this with others. Uh, that hairbrush story, I mean, like that's worth sitting here and, and listening for a little bit. 
I've got the information below in the show notes about how you can listen to that story from the author herself. You know, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in and through this podcast. I'm trusting that he's doing something in you, but I know he's doing something in me. And I thank him this very moment. And just a reminder to remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm -hmm.